My Chemical Romance releases a statement on a supposed controversy. Paramore's Haley Williams is fired up about a conspiracy theory about her origins. Metallica's just gonna buy the music industry now and so much more. Stick with us. Welcome to Rockfeed. Before we get to this sort of strange controversy involving My Chemical Romance, we're gonna talk about Paramore's Haley Williams, who went off on Twitter today, responding to all sorts of conspiracy theories and rumors about member changes, dating back to the earliest origins of Paramore when they were being courted by record labels and things like that. No doubt about it, there has been controversy in the past involving Haley Williams, the allegations that she was the only member of Paramore that was signed to a major label deal, etc. And Haley Williams is fed up with people talking about these conspiracy theories. And there were a lot of fans of hers that were making claims and she was responding to them in real time. And she made some very, very excellent points here. This tweet's been deleted, but I did see the original tweet earlier today. And it was basically that Haley Williams was trying to become a country artist. I always forget that Paramore was literally created by the music industry because Haley Williams was trying to be a country singer, but the label execs really wanted to jump on the pop punk emo wave and thought she had the look. Haley responded to this on Twitter and said, this is my favorite Paramore conspiracy I've ever read. Funny, I heard the same rumor about Avril back when labels were courting me and Paramore in 2004. What's actually true is that dudes just never wanted to believe a 16-year-old girl could be in a good band with her friends. High sexism. That tweet got 14,000 likes and she wasn't done there. This user wrote, I actually heard a slightly different version of this. The theory was that the labels really wanted you to go solo, but you wanted to be in Paramore so bad they signed the whole band. To my memory, this came from the Pharaoh's original leaving statement, and Haley talked about that. Obviously, when the Pharaoh brothers left Paramore, there was a ton of controversy there based on an interview they gave to MTV where they made all kinds of wild accusations. Haley responded to that saying, the statement Josh wrote was ego-driven, post-breakup bullshit. He apologized to T and I privately for it after a random run-in at a coffee shop back in 2015. You know I'll air out all the damn laundry. We've told the story ourselves in plenty of interviews. So this is what started that discussion. You can't just write music that good without actually being influenced by it. It, it would be hard to take Toby Keith and put him on a metalcore album and expect it to be fire. You have to have a deep and vast knowledge of the musical stylings that you're writing and performing to be able to execute it well. And when they came out, uh, especially with their Riot album, they were firing on all cylinders. It's literally one of the best modern rock albums of all time. I say this respectfully knowing that some of their newer music is not my favorite. So someone else wrote, okay, but can we get a country song? And she says, no, because I ain't thirsty for sales. Another user wrote, I mean, you sold out like seven years ago, so of course you're not thirsty for sales. And then the user wrote, I don't see how that's different from I don't need any more money, LOL. She added, you might consider maybe we just don't see things the same way. I make choices that hinder my career all the time in favor of a simpler life. I forgo opportunities that would be lucrative simply because I value a lifestyle that doesn't resemble a ladder. I follow passion. If that means to live simply and follow passion, I consider that privilege and opportunity. Back to your original point, the part where I and or my band as a whole may or may not have sold out, no regrets. Whatever we did, 
I'd do it again. And I'm trying to call balls and strikes here. Haley Williams is not bullshitting. I've read interviews in the past where she's talked about major musicians recently reaching out to her, asking her to feature on their songs. Obviously, she gets thrown opportunities all the time. These are some of the biggest artists in the industry, and she turns them down. She's often talked about anxiety and imposter syndrome, and she says she doesn't want to be that famous. And uh, I believe her when she says, look, if I really wanted to be huge, she, she definitely could. Uh, she could be on another Zed track. She could be on another pop artist collab if she wanted to. But it seems like that's a pretty intense thing to have to go through. But next up, let's talk about Metallica here, who seems to want to buy the entire music industry. Metallica, the same band that took on Napster, rightfully, I might add, for basically turning the music industry upside down and devaluing music. Now, I concede that the music industry was gonna be devalued no matter what. Eventually, we were going to get to something that resembled Spotify, Apple Music, and other streaming services, including YouTube. But uh, it certainly accelerated the pace. I do think that Metallica was right for de defending their intellectual property in the way they did because it did help other bands. Musicians, songwriters, things like that, they should advocate for themselves. They deserve to be paid more than what they're paid right now. So let's talk about Metallica here. Metallica is joining a venture capitalist where there is a new trend in the music industry where these big companies are going to uh, songwriters and they're buying out their royalty share. So you go to somebody, let's say, who wrote Hit Me Baby One More Time. And you say, hey, I like this Britney Spears song. I think it's gonna be valuable for years to come. Why don't I just pay you a set rate right now and give you cash up front, and then we take the royalties forevermore into the future. And they're betting on the fact, like the stock market, that this value is going to appreciate over time. They're betting on the fact that they're gonna to continue to get these royalties and eventually they will profit. And so that's what Metallica is doing, specifically with, um, classic rock catalogs. It's possible they could be owning the rights to ACDC, Nirvana, um, Led Zeppelin. It will be crazy. The rumor is they're gonna be spending somewhere between 300 and $500 million on this effort, according to a report from Variety, which reads as follows. Metallica and co-manager joining multi-million dollar venture buying song catalogs and other intellectual property. Worldwide Music, World Wired Music IP fund headed by former Morgan Stanley investment banker Paul Donahue will have 300 to 500 million, also includes former Fender president Matt Janapal and ex-Sony ATV co-president Rick Kim. And it added, the venture will include song catalogs as part of its portfolio, which one source said is likely to include, but not limited to, classic rock catalogs. So we could certainly see a scenario where Metallica ends up owning some of their peers' music, assuming they're willing to take that cash payout up front. Now, Metallica, again, they're not the ones singularly funding this, but their name, Worldwired, um, is on it. So they're a major part of it in one form of another. Uh, that report coming from Variety. Okay, next up, Mike Shinoda of Linkin Park has talked about how he has made the song in the end, looking back on it, after they crossed the all-important one billion view threshold for one of the greatest new metal songs of all time, and I would argue one of the greatest rock songs ever. Here is Mike Shinoda describing how they wrote that song. It's a pretty interesting story here. In a new interview with Rock Sound, Mike Shinoda shared the following. When we were rehearsing in this little room in Hollywood, and when I say Hollywood, it was the grossest part of Hollywood. At the time, Hollywood and Vine had prostitutes and 
and there was a taco shop on the corner, an all-black hair salon next door, a grocery store with a Korean couple that ran on the corner, and a bunch of Scientologists. There was a place that was calling itself a reading center to teach you how to read, but all the books were Scientology books, which was really kind of dark, and that was a place where we found a rehearsal room that we could afford. And we were writing it there, and we were working on our show and our songs there, and I decided to stay overnight in that building and I wrote in the end. And I think drubber Rob uh, was the first one to show up the next day for rehearsal and I played it for him and he was freaking out. And what's so odd about that song is it's almost talking about these things and saying, I don't have any answers because usually a song isn't about having no answers, right? It just kind of runs itself around in a circle lyrically and especially as a younger person, that's just how it felt. That's how we all felt. We didn't know what to make of things. And in a sense, that's still what goes on today. It's a timeless and universal thing. It's easy to say Monday morning quarterback, these type of things where you go, okay, it's popular. So this is why it's popular. You can't say uh, this is what will be popular and then make that a thing. You can only do it after the fact. The fact is that, yeah, it's been one of our biggest songs. It's been our biggest song for a long time. Congratulations to Linkin Park, and we hope to have more news from them uh, in the future as this is the anniversary year for Hybrid Theory, and they've been hinting at some very big plans. All right, and on to this story from My Chemical Romance, who have released a statement to Rolling Stone after apparently a controversy has taken place because they received money from the government uh, to support their displaced em employees. And so for those of you who don't know, there's something called the Paycheck Protection Program, where if you were displaced as a result of the coronavirus, the government had a fund where they would provide you with a set amount of money to continue paying these workers their ordinary salaries to hopefully offset the economic devastation of the pandemic. And for the music industry, this is something that has been very real. You have, for a large band like My Chemical Romance, a full staff of people, people who work on the tour, people who work for the band year round, and they were obviously devastated. They had their reunion tour coming and they felt they needed to do something to um, support these workers. And, you know, we pay taxes every single year to the government. And this was something the government was offering in return. And in my opinion, if you have all these people around you that you care about that work for you that are suffering and you've had to lay them off, this seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do to take care of these individuals who are struggling. Rolling Stone and Metal Sucks both have good pieces up on this where they talk about various bands that did receive uh, support for this, like Slipknot's touring company, Nickelback, Disturbed in the rock world. There are a lot of rock bands, but not exclusively rock, virtually people from all genres, but you have Pearl Jam, Guns N' Roses, Green Day, and many more who uh, received these loans. And I don't think either publication was shaming them, um, but it, it, they were just sort of presenting the information. It is interesting to see that, um, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but there were plenty of people who did view it as a bad thing that they were taking care of their employees. Rolling Stones wrote Tool, Nickelback, Imagine Dragons, Incubus, Slipknot, My Chemical Romance, Weezer, Cheap Trick, Tim McGraw, Chainsmokers, Bonnie Vare, Disturbed, Gary Clark Jr., Papa Roach, Ryan Tedder, um, Wiz Khalifa, French Montana, Lil John, Chris Stapleton, Rascal Flatts, so many people, Jason Isbell, uh, people from all different perspectives and all different genres 
uh, applied for these loans. But My Chemical Romance was criticized online for it and they released the following statement um, to Rolling Stone. Like most tours that were happening this year, My Chemical Romance's world tour was canceled. The band explained of the decision in a statement to Rolling Stone. MCR received PPP money to ensure their crew is funded in these times of uncertainty until we were able to be on the road again. We are so grateful to these skilled, dedicated people. Some of them are parents, others caretakers, uh, still others who simply have rent to pay, and this money helps them take care of themselves and their families. And they make some very convincing arguments as to why it seems it was perfectly reasonable for them to apply this, uh, to, to receive this money and provide it to their workforce. And of course, I'm always open to listening to all perspectives. So if you do think this was dumb of them to do, let me know down in the comments. I'd be very interesting to hear your counter uh, perspective. So anyways, that is all for now. Thanks so much for joining us today at Rockfeed. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe with notifications on so you don't miss out on breaking news and updates. Also, I'm sure some of you have noticed we've changed the format a little bit here, trying to add value for you, trying to make it more of a place for multiple news stories, not just the biggest ones. Let me know if you're liking this new format and any other suggested tweaks. I would love to hear as well. You can also browse chapters. When you skim through the video, you can see how you can individually skip between stories. Anyways, thanks for joining us and we'll see you all very soon.